Hey guys, I don't know if you're like me, but I love Count the Dings and everything it has to offer. I just can't find everything I need. You know, I know about Cinephobe and I know about the mailbag and I know about Bomb, but that's all we do, right, I mean? No, we do so much more. What? Yeah, absolutely. If you sign up, patreon.com slash count the dings, you'll find a plethora of other content, fresh content, extended content, the OG pod overflow, the Cinephobe cold opens that we've taken and made their own thing to live only there the re-watchingtons bomb and it's full Ooh. and unadulterated cut early drops of cinephobe episodes and so much more said the og pod now is it new or is it old mace i'm glad you asked that it is a new incarnation mm-hmm. of the old og pod oh. so it's me zach trey Waz, tom i love those guys just like we always were going back to the true hoop days mm-hmm. we're recreating that magic recapturing it and putting it back out we're talking hoops we're talking pop culture and most importantly we're talking for 40 minutes for free mm-hmm. but then another specific patreon exclusive segment for every one of those episodes funny enough about that og pod you're getting tom and trey on mondays you're getting me and waz aka zosny on wednesdays Amin's floating in between i'm a floater you never know when you're gonna get Amin in those so you gotta listen to them all and what if i'm not sure what maze looks like because i've always thought he's a fat man with a fedora he's got a weird voice how can i see for myself what this maze character actually looks like it's crazy you don't know the answer to this mm. because it's the cinephobe pod youtube page what the ct5s on the cinephobe pod youtube page you can look at all of us you can get all the og pods on youtube too at count the dings one on youtube at cinephobe pod on youtube patreon.com slash count the dings gets you everything all in one feed you can link it to your spotify and now enjoy the show hey listener underdog fantasy is the easiest place to play fantasy sports also the fastest growing fantasy app in the industry you can play pick them pick whether your favorite players will have a higher or lower total in each stat for this week's games for a chance to win big you can actually win up to 100 times your money in a single night that's right i didn't say 10 i didn't say 20 up to 100 times your money Pick between two and five players, build a pick'em entry. My favorite feature, you can make rivals picks. Pit two players against each other. Wembenyama versus Nikola Jokic. Tim Hardaway Jr. versus Norm Powell. Kawhi Leonard versus Steph Curry. Who knows? Maybe Grayson Allen versus Pat Connaughton. You get where I'm going with that. You can do it all with Underdog Fantasy. Make sure you sign up today with the promo code DING. That's D-I-N-G. And get your first deposit doubled up to $100 as well as an instant pick'em special. Visit underdogfantasy.com or find them in the app store. And don't forget to register with our promo code DING, D-I-N-G, to get your first deposit doubled up to $100 as well as an instant Pick them special must be 18 or older and present in a state where underdog fantasy operates terms apply concern with your play call 1-800-522-4700 or visit www.ncpgambling.org. Hello, I'm Paul Giamatti and I'm Stephen Asma. Join us on the Chinwag podcast every Wednesday where we trade the banal and the boring for the super strange and bizarre. They committed human sacrifice? I did bring up human sacrifice, yes. You sure did. That just went by fast. Kind of casually tossed that out. I would like to have an alien uh, hatchet young inside. Holy shit, really? 
She saw world peace and I saw demons coming out of the wall. I will say that there was a green couch outside of the principal's office and you sat on it if you had lice or if you got into trouble. <laughs> they wake you up from the goo pods to live in reality and you're naked and screaming. It's like... <laughs> Follow us for free on Apple Podcasts and all major podcast platforms. For more information, go to chinwagpod.fm and find enlightenment through our Instagram or TikTok at chinwagpod or on Twitter at chinwag underscore pod. R Slash is a hilarious podcast where Dabney Bailey uses ridiculous voices and emotions to read aloud the week's craziest Reddit posts. He reenacts various Reddit threads covering wild stories and secrets, petty revenge, relationships, and much more. So if you're looking for a daily distraction and a laugh, check out R Slash wherever you get your podcasts. Do you question life? I have yes. myself questioning life. Somehow, it made me feel like I'm wasting time while being quarantined. Yeah, no, that's 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 an like this is feeling. this is a time where you're supposed to waste time and fill time, and I felt like I'm wasting an hour and twenty four minutes. Mm. At a certain point, we have to stop fighting with each other. We can't keep <laughs> doing this, guys. We can't keep attacking the other one with movie choices. We have to embrace. I, mean, I feel a like camaraderie only, here. I feel like there's only one person who does that. <laughs> Like, I would not say that is a universal trait of everybody on this. Okay. Podcast. You're feeling like it's, it's whom? I mean, I'm not here to point fingers. I'm just saying, <laughs> I, I, I would not paint the broad brush saying that we are attacking one another with our movie choices. Okay. Cause it definitely feels like Amin is just picking movies he likes, right? I try, like, sometimes, like, so my next pick. I haven't picked it yet, but it's going to be a movie that I haven't seen before. So Ooh. not all the time, okay. but for the most part, I, I, I try to mix in movies that I either enjoyed or hey, I guess I guess my picks all have been movies that I have a bias towards, right? Yeah, I think for the most part. And then I'm picking movies that I think will be fun. That's usually I'm like, I think we'll have fun dissecting this movie. And then Maze, what are you doing? I'm the wild card, baby. <laughs> Your picks have been horrible, man. That's the point. That's the point of the show. Isn't, Isn't it? Isn't it? it? It's Isn't possible. It? I don't understand what this podcast is about. Poppycock. It's a fuckhouse. On a weekly basis, we are consuming more concentrated bad movies than probably anybody in the history of mankind. Poppycock. What story? <laughs> what story? What are you talking about? Do you want lunch? I have yet to laugh in this movie. I'll just tell you that. You picked it, motherfucker. <laughs> just remember that. You know the problem with Hollywood is? They make shit. Unbelievable, unremarkable shit. So I was legitimately offended. You were offended? I was, a, I was offended. I didn't know you could get offended. I was offended. This did it. If I were gay, I wouldn't be offended. They're fucking making shit up, I mean! Inconsequential detail after inconsequential yeah. detail after inconsequential detail. Please don't lie. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I'm there holding a mic in my hands and now I'm talking yeah, all over. <laughs> Thank you.
Welcome to Cinephobe, the podcast where we break down the movies you're afraid to admit you love or whatever Mays picks. I'm Zach Harper. That's Amin Hassan. That's Anthony Mays. This week on Cinephobe, we watched the 2003 spoof comedy Scary Movie 3. Amin, what's your thoughts on spoofs and parodies? Okay, once upon a time, it was a place of rich comedic value, right? Airplane. Airplane. Yeah. I'm going to get you sucker. National Lampoon's Loaded Weapon 1. Naked uh, Gun. Naked Gun. Don't Be a Menace to South Central. There's a long list of these movies that were very well done. They were movies that both had a very clear, coherent story and also made fun of popular movies that we all knew from those eras. A lot of the movies you named were created by either David Zucker, who directed this movie, or the Wayans Brothers, who created Scary Movie. Yes, yes, yes. That, that, that is not lost upon me. That is not lost upon me, any of that. And then the movie Scary Movie came out. Mm. And, I, and I remember going to go see Scary Movie in the theaters because I was excited. I said, the Wayans have a track record of making these very nuanced parody movies. Like, Don't Be a Menace has a lot of silly jokes and, like, toilet humor, but it is a very smartly made movie, right? There's a lot of nuance in that movie. And so we were like, oh, my God, they're going to do the same thing to the horror genre. And we were so excited to go see it. And I watched it, and it had its moments where you laughed, like, in a vacuum. But overall, you're like, I got to admit, I don't think that was very good. It, it wasn't awful, but it just wasn't what we expected. And then from there, I don't know if it started with Scary Movie 2 or definitely by this one, they had already sold the rights to the characters and the, and the franchise, and they weren't making these movies anymore. But that started an avalanche of just terribly done, manic no, not nothing has to make sense, quote unquote parody movies, because we got someone who looks like Michael Jackson there, and like ah, oh. like it, it just it's just let's throw a bunch of stuff in there, and whether you want to talk about not another teen movie, whether you want to talk about vampires suck, whether you want to talk like there's a a legion of these movies that are just terrible, but they were I guess cheap and easy to make because you don't have to pay for writers. I, I don't know. I'm with you. Like I, I love the older ones, and it. I think the wrong Wayans got a hold of them, right? I think Keenan, I mean, Damon, too many, too many. <laughs> those guys know know what they're doing. Sean and Marlon, and I know they're not involved in this one, right? Like they right. they kicked off this franchise, and when you dilute it down to Sean and Marlon doing the stuff, and you know how I feel about white chicks. When you can't even get them to come back to the franchise, it dilutes it even more. It gets a writer who has a history with this of like the great ones. But it's also a long time after he wrote a great one. And so you just get a mediocre attempt at this stuff, in, in my opinion. To be fair, the original Scary Movie was directed by Keenan Ivory Wayans, although okay. he did not have a writing credit or producing credit on it. He was just a director okay. that was written by Sean and Marlon and then Buddy Johnson, Phil Bowman, Jason Freeberg, and Aaron Seltzer. Obviously, Don't Be a Menace was their big yeah. cinematic debut for, for Sean and Marlon. Right. Produced by Keenan Ivory Wayne. So you may be onto something. There you go. See, I think Keenan's the true brains of it. And then Damon's 
Damon's also a, a legend, right? Yeah. Um, in this one, Scary Movie 3 stars Anna Ferris, Charlie Sheen, Regina Hall. We got Anthony Anderson. We got Simon Rex. They're nasty, baby. I got a gold chain. I'm on cocaine. I'm like, yo, man. What, 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 what? I rolled in straight from Oakland, holding my dick like a U.S. Open trophy. We're up to high feet. Y'all don't know me. Dirt nasty. Ass cheeks. Spread wide. G-string to the side. One drink, Cavassier. Two drink, vodka straight. Three drink, I'm in the sink. Throwing up on my brand new mint coat. And I'm doing coke. Y'all can't hold my donkey road. No, call the pope. Pray for me. Go Rolls Royce with your lady. I lived through the 80s. And shit was crazy. Everybody wanna know my name. Bring the pain and pop the champagne. Every girl wanna hold my chain when I fuck their brains out on the mic. Got a gold chain. Harris is coming off of Lost in Translation, and she was going to be in Brokeback Mountain two years later. She was in the other scary movie films as well. Charlie Sheen was coming off of Spin City and The Big Bounce. He was just starting out with Two and a Half Men. Mm. And then Regina Hall was coming off Paid in Full and Malibu's Most Wanted. She'd be in King's Ransom next and had been in the other scary movies. We also get Kevin Hart, Denise Richards, Queen Latifah, Eddie Griffin, Leslie Nielsen, D.L. Hughley, Ja Rule, George Carlin, Master P, Method Man, Red Man, Pamela Anderson, Jenny McCarthy, Jeremy Piven, Cameron Manheim, and Daryl Hammond. So it's a deep cast. It's an incredibly deep cast. Lots of cameo appearances. Lots of cameos, yeah. Scary Movie 3 is directed by David Zucker, who you may know from directing Airplane, Naked Gun, Naked Gun 2.5, Basketball, and then eventually Scary Movie 4. It was written by Craig Mazin. Chernobyl! Craig wrote Scary Movie 4, Superhero Movie, Hangover 2, Hangover 3, and Identity Thief. Fitting. That was one of the funniest things about Chernobyl to me, was he was essentially a sequel script polisher. Right. And then he breaks through with this tremendous hit that's nothing like anything he's ever done right yeah now he's mr hbo podcast and then pat proft who goes deep into the 70s wrote uh for the carol burnett show wrote the star wars holiday special from 1978 police academy one two three four and five bachelor party naked gun naked gun two and a half police academy six hot Mm. shots hot shots part two mr magoo mr magoo oh wow scary movie four and scary movie five very up and down career for Mr. Yeah. Plot. We should have known at the Star Wars Holiday Special. Come on. <laughs> How do you get a job after that? But hey, my Hot Shots and Hot Shots Part 2, again, another great yeah, it was a parody great, movie. Right? And Charlie Sheen was in the, like... A lot of times when we have bad movies, I always say, how did this get greenlit? But I can see now, if you're in the studio, say, we're taking an idea from the Wayans. We're getting yeah. the director of Airplane and Naked Gun and the writers of Naked Gun, Police Academy movies, Hot Shots, like... How could you? And we have like fairly big name actors in this. Yeah. How can we go wrong? Well, they did. Synopsis for Scary Movie 3. Cindy must investigate mysterious crop circles and videotapes and help the president in preventing an alien invasion. We've got some taglines here. The main tagline. Great trilogies come in threes. Good job. Reload for a third shot. Okay, no. You'll die to see these rings. Mm, that's, yeah, I mean... Okay. 
This time it's personal. You're warned. 2003. <laughs> Good job. I like it. That one you like? Yeah, I kind of do. Okay. Uh, uh, and then the last one, catch her if you can, invading heavenly bodies soon. This was with a catch me if you can themed poster. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. Here's the thing. $48 million estimated budget. Grossed 110 in the U.S., 220 oh, worldwide. Killed. That's the one thing it. about scary yeah. movies. They, they make money. Yeah. They make money. Before we keep going, you can find this movie, Scary Movie 3, on HBO Go. Scary Movie 3 receives 35% from critics on 131 reviews on Rotten Tomatoes and 54% from the audience on over 808,000 ratings. Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, you want you want the positive or the negative reviews? I'm a glass half full kind of guy, Zach, so give me give me the positives. All right. Scott Von Doviak of the Fort Worth Star-Telegram. Zucker and company keep such a frantic pace, the next laugh is never too far off. Shut the fuck up. Still waiting for a first laugh, motherfucker, I'll tell you that. Oh, no, there were laughs, but not, not at a frantic pace. <laughs> Owen Gleiberman of Entertainment Weekly. A hit-or-miss affair, but the gags that connect really connect. Doesn't mean anything. Okay. That's like if you say, uh, I mean, if you like this movie, you'll like this movie. Doesn't mean anything. Yeah. <laughs> that puts the, everything on you. That's the that's the old uh Joel Santana style. Like I'm gonna say a line and then I'm gonna make it wrong by saying the same line. <laughs> Teresa Wiltz of Washington Post. If you haven't been a regular fixture at the multiplex or don't spend all your time in front of the tube surfing hip hop videos on MTV two, then you're not in on the joke. And if you're not in on the joke, you might want to skip this one. What? Yeah, no, that, like that felt like a cop. I mean What does she think eight mile is? <laughs> Stephen Ray of Philadelphia Inquirer, Scary Movie 3 is a veritable time capsule of this moment. Kitsch, schlock, and bad taste, and it's funny too. That's accurate up until the last couple of words. Stephen Holden of New York Times, David Zucker still has the eye, ear, and metabolism of a hyperactive child weaned entirely on candy bars and educated by Mad Magazine. That doesn't sound like a positive. (laughs) I like it though. (laughs) The negative reviews, Sheila... Norman Culp of the Associated Press. I wanted the, you to just stop stop at Sheila. <laughs> just Sheila. <laughs> the first one was original. The second one was still funny, but the third installment is on autopilot. Is that an airplane reference? I think so. No author, but BBC.com. The only thing more worn than the humor is a tired-looking Nielsen. Why is he getting shots? Yeah. Richard Roper. Tired. He did look tired. <laughs> Richard Roper of uh, Ebert and Roper. This genre is pretty much dead. Moira McDonald of Seattle Times. It's last year's satire wearing this year's clothes. Ah, very, very nice. Nicely done. Roger Moore of the Orlando Sentinel plays like 80 minutes of naked gun rejects. Yes. Roger Moore is a a favorite on this show. Yeah, he comes back. I was upset. No Brian Orndorff this time of whatever nine places he writes for. (laughs) BrianOrndorff.com. And Blu-ray.com and all kinds of shit. Bruce Westbrook of Houston Chronicle. Despite one of the year's best trailers, this horror film spoof is as laugh challenge as the woeful first sequel. I don't remember the trailer. Apparently it was great. And then two more. Michael Booth of the Denver Post. If you don't think Mother Teresa commemorative bobbleheads are funny, this movie is definitely not for you. (laughs) I'd like to see what you did there. That's a time capsule right there. And then uh, Wesley Morris of the Boston Globe. 
The last 15 minutes of this movie feel as sleepy and uninspired as the last 30 of any recent episode of Saturday Night Live, but the movie has given up long before that. <laughs> right, Live takes some strays here. Yeah, and well, they should. In 2003, too. Yeah, 2003, right? Wasn't yeah. that kind of a good cast? Like, I like that was when Will Ferrell was going. Amy right? Poehler, Tina Fey, yeah. Seth Meyers, all them. Little did they know. <laughs> yeah, this is only going to get worse. Maze, why did you pick this movie? I picked it because I went through all the movies on HBO, and it was one of the two that I looked up, and I was like, huh, I wonder if this qualifies, and it did. I've seen it more than Scary Movie 1 and 2 for whatever reason. Okay. Really? Probably because of when it came out. What was the other movie under consideration? <laughs> trying to think how my last 24 hours would have been different. The other movie was Van Helsing. <sighs> oh. Which would have been worse. Van Helsing is, is what we're talking about. Like, oh. we there are bad movies that are movies. And then there's just a random collection of vignettes that someone... I was... So close to walking out on Van Helsing when I saw it in the theater. I saw it in theaters too. I was like, what the fuck? First 10 I, minutes are just like screaming banshees. I take it back. I got Van Helsing confused with Abraham Lincoln buying Power Hunter. <laughs> Does that, how, how did that do, by the way? <laughs> and as you know, Zach, I really wanted to do Vampire's Kiss, but the people couldn't rate it low enough for us. Oh, God. We need bots. Mm-hmm. We need bots to lower that. I thought about it. Oh, man. I thought, I legit thought about it. You know how many server farms are available right now in the quarantine? <laughs> Ooh, Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter qualifies. Right. Really? Put that on the list. You guys like sex, right? Of course you do. If you like sex, you'll love Bluetooth.com. It offers men a performance enhancement for the bedroom. You can get the first chewables with active ingredients, sildenafil and tadalafil i think i said those correctly but you know those are the active ingredients in viagra and cialis bluechew.com affiliated physicians will work with you find the dosage and active ingredient that is best for you it works faster the chewables work faster chewables from bluechew can be taken on a full or empty stomach so you don't have to plan out whether or not you're like oh i gotta make sure i gotta eat an hour before this no forget all that pop that chewable and then pop something else online physicians consult is free so it's even cheaper than those other two things you can get. It only takes a few minutes to connect with Bluetooth.com affiliated physician. And if you qualify, you get prescribed online quickly. No in-person doctor visit, no awkward conversation, no waiting in line at a pharmacy. Ships directly to your door in a discreet package. The chewables from Bluetooth, they're made in the USA. They give you confidence in the bed every time. You and your partner, more importantly, will love it chew it and do it here's a great deal for you guys visit bluechew.com get your first order free when you use the promo code ding just pay five dollars shipping that's b-l-u-e chew.com promo code ding the package delivered is discreet the package you'll deliver isn't i mean what is your first note oh actually i didn't i didn't i, I put have you heard about that tape it's, i don't have a fun witty note this is a short well, they didn't have a fun, witty movie, so that makes sense. We open up with a rainy night. Pam Anderson is in a bedroom with Jenny McCarthy watching TV, doing a crossword puzzle. Pam explains that TV hurts your head because of the magnetic waves in the air from televisions, and then they can't come up with the word moo for a crossword answer. Because their brain cells are gone. Right. Yeah. They get worried that their silicone will be uh, shrunk by the magnetic TV waves. 
Pam mentioned something yeah. scary they can <laughs> do, deep, a video tape. Way, I'm already checked that, out, that, man. That, that, I, deep, this is that deep side. Phobe. <laughs> <laughs> Jenny asks if it's the sex tape and then describes Pam and Tommy Lee's sex tape, to which she says no. They start a pillow fight. It turns into a chair hit. You gotta, hold on. You kind of glossed over that. I, I, I thought, I chuckled. Well, it's, I chuckled and I thought of something. Like, right, because she said, oh, have you seen the tape? And, and Pam Anderson is referring to, obviously, The Ring, if you remember that movie. She's obviously describing that tape. And Jenny McCarthy then describes in detail Pam Anderson's actual real-life sex tape that, that she had with Tommy Lee. And so... <laughs> I enjoyed the reference. And then I simultaneously thought, wait a second, how many people watching this today would get that reference? Not the youth. Right. Yeah, I guess now it would have to be turned into Kim Kardashian tape. Yeah. Yeah. I guess, maybe. Yeah. And even then, I don't know. I mean, oh. Yeah, Matt, that might be too old at this point, right? Yeah. Also, Jenny McCarthy, anti-vaxxer. Yep. I learned that about her, and I can never shake that again. Pam Anderson dating Julian Assange. Really? <laughs> really? Yeah. Is that legal? Can you date Julian Assange? <laughs> I don't think that's legal. I'm not a lawyer, but I think that's illegal. It's uh, treason, right? It's treason, exactly. <laughs> Pillow fight, chair hits, you get a wedgie, phone rings. This is the problem is I <sighs> – Spoiler alert, I didn't laugh in this movie. I won't I just lie. Didn't. I laughed a couple of There's some funny bits. And I also never seen this one before. I've seen the first two and I'd never seen one after that. Interesting. Because I was just You were done. I was just done with the with the Wayans brothers. White chicks really took it out of me. Uh, white chicks was funny. <laughs> to America's. <laughs> so phone rings, it's Pam's mom with a weird voice. Jenny goes to take a shower. The fridge opens. Pam struggles to shut it. She gets scared by toast and then walks upstairs. There's water on the floor coming from the room. And we find out that Jenny is dead. She's disfigured, much like the victims in the ring. And her head falls off. Are you okay? Are you okay was pretty funny. No, you didn't laugh when she asked, are you okay? Okay. Keep asking asking me, though, throughout this podcast if I laugh (laughs) at a certain part. The videotape of the ring plays and we get title credits. Now we're 20 miles west of Washington, D.C. We have a farmhouse. Charlie Sheen is in bed. He hears a scream. He hits his head on the lamp and hears the scream and hits his head on the lamp again. He's peeing and here's a here's a scream and stops peeing and leans back and stops peeing and leans back multiple times before falling over. Then he goes outside trying to figure out where the scream's coming from. He gets dizzy, turn around in circles. And his brother George comes over and says the dogs are acting strange. One dog is riding a tractor. The other couple of dogs are smoking a hookah. I chuckled at that, at the hookah. Uh-huh. The hookah. Like, it's like the dogs are like, okay, dog on the thing, okay, huh? But then, like, watching dogs smoke hookah, I, I don't know. I, I laugh. I'm also <laughs> anti-hookah at this point. I love hookah. You can I know it. you do. I know you do. But I just, because, I, you know I just rather because, smoke weed. Yeah, well, because you're a cultural appropriator, that's why. Smoking weed is cultural appropriation? No, no, smoking hookah is cultural appropriation. (laughs) And much like most cultural appropriation, when you're done with it, you throw it aside. and so like I've never enjoyed it. I've done it like three times in my life. Last time was with you, actually, in San Francisco. Oh, yeah. Years ago in the finals. Yeah, that's where Kevin Durant gets his hookah, by the way. Oh, okay. I I took you to the best in San Francisco. Still didn't enjoy it. I enjoyed the time and the company. Just don't the hookah. Like, I just would rather get high. I don't need to smoke something that smells like blueberries. <laughs> it smells like blueberries. Or whatever they do. You know, they have stupid flavors and shit. I don't need that. 
Just give me some weed. All right, keep going, man. Damn. All right, they go into the cornfield. They hit their balls on. Zach corn. doesn't like hooping in case you hadn't picked up one. <laughs> the screaming kid is found. They notice crop circles that point at them and the house, and says, "Attack here." This is parodying signs. Morning news in D.C. Ross Giggins, played by Jeremy Piven, and Cindy Campbell, played by Anna Ferris, are discussing the crop circles. Her editor wants her to do an expose on strip clubs. Oh. What? Now that dude, he's not that. He's a program director. He's not a program editor. director, right? Tim Stack. Maze. I'm, well, actually, both of you guys are fans of obscure stuff. So, but I haven't seen this dude since the '90s. That dude, and I'm like, yo, that's Dick Dietrich. And I was like, yo, am I making up that name? And I googled it, and sure enough, there was a TV show in the '90s called Nightstand with Dick Dietrich, and it was a spoof, a parody of the Jerry Springer show. But in the show, this dude played the Dick Dietrich, the, the host of the show, who had a unreasonable hatred and jealousy of Jerry Springer. Everything he did was always about, like, what is, what is Springer doing? I haven't seen this show in, like, 25 years. It made me look it up, try and find it somewhere. It doesn't seem to exist anywhere on the Internet other than I found the name and some screenshots. But if any of our listeners know where I can find Nightstand with Dick Dietrich, I'd really appreciate it because that dude is hilarious in real life. Oh, he's great. Yeah, I I remember him from like, uh, what was that show, Son of the Beach? Yeah, I remember the commercials for Son of the Beach because it was a Baywatch parody and he's like the head lifeguard. He was on Parker Lewis Can't Lose. He plays himself in My Name is Earl. He's on an episode of Seinfeld where George is getting glasses. He plays the optometrist. That's where I remember Uh, him from. That's right, he was. The program director wants her to do an expose on strip clubs. And she says she has a feeling about the crop circles. She makes the tired, maybe it's a feeling or a hunch or ESPN instead of the ESP joke. She hits her head on a microphone. They talk about things that people like. People don't care about this. They want hard-hitting stories and in-depth coverage and, and... And twins! towards like commercial again how many people get that reference now well they got the real twins so yeah they got the real twins they dust them out of retirement i liked it i liked their parody version of the song okay. all right sure that's when i wrote my god this movie is a horrendous time capsule it's so time specific i don't think this would do well today no, like not introducing at all. it to a, to a new audience not right? at all because, because because again like don't be a menace you could watch it and if you had watched the major, major, huge blockbuster hood movies, you got 90% of the reference. Right. right? Hot shots. Like, if you've seen Top Gun. Top Gun. Right, right? Like, like, they were parodying blockbuster events. And this movie, among and a lot of these newer parody movies, are, like, parodying things that were just fads or, you know, like, no one goes back and watches old Coors Light commercials again, right, in order to be able to remember it. People go back and watch Boys in the Hood. People go back and watch... Uh, Top Gun. People don't go back and watch the Coors Light commercial that ran at the 2003 Super Bowl, right? <laughs> Charlie Sheen is now talking to a sheriff played by Cameron Manheim. He has 60 days to come up with a dollar fifty, or the bank will foreclose on his home. He also says he's paying rent, which you wouldn't get foreclosed on. Like that's a mortgage. I suspended L. If you're going to have one realistic car you know that, that's not how that works at all it would be i was really confused by the abundance of videotapes and landline phones 
in 2003, I thought that we were already past that. But apparently, yeah, we find out that he's no longer a minister. And throughout the scene, the sheriff's hat keeps getting bigger and bigger with each shot. Wow, I didn't even notice. <laughs> oh, you didn't? Oh, yeah. I noticed yeah, that yeah. she had a huge hat when she was trying to get in the car. Charlie Sheen is arguing with George about working on the tractor versus doing a hip hop show. A bus with the hood as the destination pulls up. Yeah. To which I wrote the note, Maze, I owe you an apology for Hot Rod because this clearly is the worst movie we've ever done. I wrote that the, the character is basically Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> the way he talks, his relationship <laughs> with urban vernacular and hip-hop or whatever is just Twitter. That's exactly yeah. – every time you type, but go off then as a kind of like, ooh, gotcha back on Twitter. Just think, remember, I'm thinking of you in that way. You're taking a bus straight to the hood. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, no, I, I feel you, fam. You're in your bag <laughs> on this one. <laughs> he is late to pick up her nephew from school. She runs into Brenda as the teacher, her friend from the previous movies, and the kid is drawing dead people after being told to draw family members. Can I just say right now? Yeah. In true cinephobe tradition regina hall and anna ferris love them both even after anna ferris called the dan levitard show zippy and the juice (laughs) which actually gave them content as much as we want to hate the scary movie franchise it did give us anna ferris and regina hall who have gone on to have great careers have they both gone on to have great careers regina hall's had a great career Anna Ferris had a highly successful career. What has she been in other than scary movie movies? She's been in like TV shows that have done extremely well. House Bunny was a, a big hit. House Bunny did well. Just Friends. House did. Bunny. Just Friends was a huge movie for her. Just was oh, that the one with Timberlake? No, that's Friends with Benefits. Just oh. Friends is Ryan Reynolds and Amy Smart. Okay. Well, By the way, Amy Smart. Oh yeah, huh. wow. She's on this TV show, Bomb, that's been on for like seven years. Oh, that's right. That, that, that's a good show. Her and Alice and Janie. I've never watched it, but I, I hear it's a very good show. Yeah, I mean, it's a network sitcom, but that's a big check. All right, where are we? He unleashes his awful rhyming after calling oh, Crop Circles, yeah. Cop Cycles, and 611 instead of 411. Be rapping, I be capping, I be tapping, I be flapping, I be happen. Ning. Ding, bing, wing. Yo. Sounds good. Good, could, should, hood. Good, mud, good, bug. If we say we'll come, will you shut your ass up? <laughs> Get it? He's so off. Yeah, and then I uh, just write none of these jokes are landing. He's doing a rap battle, invites him to the show, rhymes every word. He's the love interest here. The nephew is having a vision about a girl who wants to kill her, then said her, her period's going to start in three, two, one. He tells her that she's kneeling in dog shit. She says that all they have is each other. We find out his mom is dead. And then she forgot him at school. She's driving him away from school, backs up, hits him with a car. He goes flying. This kid is supposed to be like a hybrid of... Sixth Sense, right? Of Sixth Sense and then also Minority Report because he's predicting people's futures. Wow, I did not pick up on the Minority Report at all. This kid is basically a ragdoll the whole movie. It's Yeah. They really go to the well a lot with this job. Well, speaking of that, he's drawing the ring well over and over. He drew a flip book of the girl. Hold on. on. You guys think the segue is that he's talking about the ring well. I'm pointing out that Zach also squeezed in a well transitional word in there for a double segue, if you will. (laughs) (laughs) Or if you will. Oh, there we go. 
He drew a flip book of the girl with the hair doing a dance. Uh, he says that she talks to him and is coming tonight. Daryl Hammond arrives to babysit his father Muldoon. Of course, they had to sneak in some pedophilia priest jokes for another time capsule. God, I mean, that was big at the time. That was pretty big. It was huge. People will know. People will get that one. I Because we still think of priests as pedophiles now. So that one's not like as transient a moment in time as the twins. If they made that movie now, it'd be like Jeffrey Epstein or something, though. Yes, yeah, sure, sure. Father Epstein. Now we're at the rap battle. Anthony Anderson is the Mackay Pfeiffer future character from 8 Mile. He tells uh, the crowd to put their uh, guns on safety, shows them how to do it. George is going to be Eminem's character in the bathroom. We get vomiting humor where he pukes on some guy taking a shit in the stall. Yeah, uh, I don't like vomit humor, particularly the projectile vomit. Yeah, just never it never hits for me. Yeah. I just don't like it. Brenda wants Cindy to hang out after the show. Regina Hall says she has a weird feeling, like when you see an Asian person behind the wheel of a car. Oh, that's right, I forgot about that joke. Then Kevin Hart comes in. He starts jumping on Dirt Nasty and humping him. Anthony Anderson says, "A hundred, two hundred, whitey hating, chrome packing, ready to bust a cap in any white boy's ass. Who ain't bringing that shit, waiting for him." And then there's this whole debate about... The semantics. Shit. My aunt Shaniqua used to live over there, man. But that bitch got evicted, though. Where? Yeah, this is. What for? Mice. Mice? I thought she had rats. No, rats are outside. Mice are inside. Yo, but what if a mouse goes outside? Does it become a rat? And if a rat is in the house, is it a mouse? I ain't never seen no mouse outside. That's what I'm saying. That's because it's a rat, fool. Hey. Yo, you might have just made a fact just now. That's some real shit. You guys agree with that? Yeah, because they talk about, like... Yeah, mice are inside. Rats are outside, for sure. Go from here to there. Like what's the field? Yeah. Field mice. Field mice. Oh yeah. wow! Wow! Field. Wow. Okay. I suppose the house mice. That you have to understand this type of thinking, and under, to understand this type of man, you must understand that historically, there were two types of slaves: the house Negro and the field Negro. Now, the house Negro, he lived in the house next to his master in the big house, either in the basement or up in the attic. He dressed pretty good. He ate pretty good. What the master left him, he loved his master. I say he loved his master better than the master loved himself. If the master said, we got a nice house here, you say, yeah, boss, we got a nice house here. Master's house caught on fire, the house Negro would be the one who'd run to put the blaze out. If the master got sick, he said, what's the matter, boss? We sick? We sick. You see, this is the thinking of the house Negro. Now, if another slave came up to him and said, let's run away, let's separate, let's get away from this cruel master. He said, why? What's better than what we got here? Run away. I'm not going anywhere. This is the house, Negro. I feel like I've been painted into a corner here that I do not know how to get out of. <laughs> Ain't no segue from this one, boy. They shoot <laughs> Simon Cowell. They shoot Simon Cowell. Oh, what a reference. Time capsule. Kevin Hart is hype manning. We got a lot of dap and hug jokes. Another ragdoll in this movie. Just a lot of ragdoll jokes. George is going to be battling Fat Joe. The yes. Fat Joe. Fat Joe crushes. There was a line there where he's like, I got to battle him. And Kevin Hart says, what do you think these people are here to see Fat Joe? And they're literally chanting Joe, Joe, Joe. <laughs> I laughed. All right. I, I laughed at that one. He's a farmer rapper, so you know he's been kicking the shit all day. George throws out a bunch of white stereotypes in his rap. Crowd loves him as he's celebrating. He oh, puts on you a... forgot a time-honored cinephobe tradition. What? Fat Joe. Calls him half retarded. Oh. <laughs> and then says, nye, 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 nye. he just said his favorite rapper's bad job. Yeah. 
He doubled um, down. Yeah, he Once doubled again, down big time. That's a huge trend in all of our podcasts. Why is that? Why is it in every why is the R word in every movie we do? What does that say about us? Oh, I mean, it doesn't say anything about us. I mean, I, we didn't pick it specifically for that. I didn't know it was going to come up. Yeah, I mean, I'd never seen a movie. Maze, what are you doing here? Doesn't it say something about movies that are under 40%? What do all movies under 40% have in common? <laughs> oh, they all got to drop an R word in there. <laughs> Make sure you bleep out when I said half retarded. Now you got to bleep it out again. <laughs> I just want to make sure. It's, we're clear on that. Wait, have you been bleeping it out? No. Oh, no, then it stands. It's got to ride. You haven't bleeped him out before. You got to keep him going. You should have just been right. like the Black Eyed Peas and said like he's half started. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get half started. <laughs> As George is celebrating the crowd, cheering him on, puts the hood on. It looks like a Klansman's hood. He's doing the, the Hitler sign. The crowd goes silent. They grab him, throw him out of a window. There are legs under a car out there. I don't know what that's supposed to be a reference to, or if that's just supposed to be an Easter egg. I think that's just supposed to be the the dummy. Okay. Giving us a peek behind the curtain. See gotcha. how see how brilliant the sausage gets made. <laughs> At Brenda's house, they're eating a comically sized ice cream container. Brenda says she saw frightening images, talks about the tape, watched it a week ago, now her nose is bleeding, she faked it. Fakes a seizure, even peed herself to really sell the seizure. And she's just fucking with Cindy this whole time. She fakes her hand being on fire. It's a fake hand. Then when she walks in the living room and the TV is doing weird stuff, she's calling out to Cindy and Cindy doesn't believe her. Keeps turning back on. And eventually the girl from the well creeps out of the TV. Water comes out of the TV. Girl crawls out. Brenda's eating popcorn as the girl crawls out. And then Brenda punches her and they start fighting. And eventually the the well girl kicks the shit out of her and kills her. Um, Cindy finds Brenda behind the couch and screams. Yes, that happened. Regina has a line here. Another little white girl done fell down a well. 50 black people get their ass uh, beat by police today, cop. but the whole world got to stop for one little whitey down a hole. Do we really think that Mazin and Proft wrote this movie by themselves? Because there's a bunch of stories and there's like uncredited rewrites, but I think those dudes were white too. I think some of the stuff also is like, what do black people care about? So <laughs> it's it's tone deaf white people writing as black people yeah yeah. well i think so because they're probably thinking like all right what do black people care about they care about police brutality not getting enough coverage and twins George tells Charlie Sheen that the teacher's dead. He goes to tell the little girl and he screams, she's dead. Just like your dog. I just ran him over with the car when I drove in. And then they both start screaming at the same time. And so yeah. now we get a flashback. Charlie oh. Sheen's talking to some dude in the truck. Well, it's a Jay and I do from office space. And he's playing M night Shyamalan's role in signs. Exactly. Oh, I did not pick up on that. Oh, for real? Oh, that I was did, a- yeah. If I hadn't fallen asleep while driving for that exact 20 minutes, if I hadn't drank that entire exact whole bottle of Jägermeister, if only I hadn't killed that hooker, but that wasn't even that night. <laughs> I, I laughed at all that. I did because I remember signs and that's, it just made me laugh. I don't know. And then in the scene thereafter, as he's walking to the to the crime scene, 
to the, to the crash scene. <laughs> Dude's on the ground and says, hey, Tom, I'm going to need a ride home. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I saw signs until like 10 years after it was out. Oh, for real? Yeah, it, like it was, it had definitely been years and years and years. The only M. Night Shyamalan movie I actually enjoyed. All right, so we get the flashback to Charlie Sheen, that terrible night they referenced. Uh, sheriffs are all on the road. Sheen's wife was hit by a truck and is pinned against a tree. If the truck gets moved, then she'll die because it's cut her in half, essentially. To which then Sheriff is trying to explain to Charlie how she's cut in half, and there's just a lot of food jokes. I don't understand all this fancy medical lingo. Yeah, I don't understand how this made the final script. He wants to spend a few minutes with the bottom half. So then we find it's Denise Richards, who uh, they were actually married at the time. It's kind of a John Travolta, Kelly Preston visiting the set type situation. <laughs> right, exactly. They kiss when, they done, when they're done kissing. He pulls a spark plug out of his mouth. She makes him promise not to remarry and says no sex. And then he pretends not to understand what she's saying. As a reverend. Once you've agreed to not remarry, doesn't that mean you're not going to... What am I doing? What are you doing? <laughs> but he's acting very beholden to her last word. Like, it's not a curse, my man. Like, you could say okay and then go, like, fuck the cop right afterwards. Sure. Now we're at Brenda's funeral. The nephew is telling the future of all these people, says your child's going to be an asshole to this pregnant lady, says smoke all you want to this guy smoking, you're going to get hit by a bus, tells this guy that toupee is not fooling anyone. George shows up with the little girl. There's chaos from George thinking... When Cindy says it's awake, that she meant that Brenda isn't dead, she's awake. Then Anthony Anderson shows up. There's punching people. They're doing CPR on the body. Anthony Anderson punches an old lady and then seems to consider it for a second, but then shrugs it off and keeps going. Then eventually we have some split wires from George. He tries to give her a little electric shock to get back to life, blows up the body. And then they forgot to point out Denise Richards dying was more realistic than Jack Nicholson into the part of better acting. So here's what I wrote. I feel like this may create a divide here. Now it feels like an unnecessary shot, but I wrote, this is going on for a long time, this scene. I have a feeling Amin's going to defend this movie. Whoa. Yeah. Why would I defend this movie? I didn't know where you stood on the scary movie movies. Why, you like yeah, white chicks. But like, but white chicks had funny jokes. Like, it may not have been a good movie, but like, they had jokes that were... Well, you've already said you're laughing at certain things here and there. Well, but not that many. Like This movie has an insane number of joke attempts per minute. But the very low efficiency. They're all low, low, low level jokes. Yeah. Right. So I laughed a few times, but it's it's like James Harden out there. No, no, no. Okay. I, no, no it's not like James Harden out there. It's like Bob Cousy out there. <laughs> That's a, that's a joke that you'll only get if you listen to No Look Pass on Sirius XM NBA from, I don't even know what time we come on. I think we're on at 8 a.m. in the morning on the Pacific sure. time zones. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> We've been shitting on Bob Cousy for like a week. No, it was terrible, man. It was. Every time we look up an old game, he was like 6 for 20. No, 6 for 20. That would be a high water mark. Yeah, that's true. Oh, yeah, that's Mel Hutchins. Bill Hutchins also catching strays like out here. Three for twenty-five, like yeah. routinely. I don't, I don't. Why is he shooting that much? Now Cindy goes upstairs to look around. She sees the tape. She takes it. She goes home and puts it in the VCR. It goes through a bunch of supposedly funny, creepy images, but none of them are funny. I thought it was just parodying the real Ring video. Phone rings. She'll die in seven days. There's also a "Can You Hear Me Now" Verizon commercial. Oh reference. right, yeah, I forgot about that. Jesus. Verizon and Coors Light. <laughs> 
<laughs> to be fair, that guy's still doing that shit for Sprint, isn't he? They brought him back. They brought him out of cold storage and he switched teams. So good for that guy. Anthony Anderson is trying to get George to battle again. Kevin Hart is hitting people with paint as they drive by, parodying <laughs> that uh, scene from 8 Mile. Anthony Anderson is also fucking Kevin Hart's sister. Cindy calls George. They all go to her place. Anthony and Kevin argue about the term waking up dead. How the hell do you wake up dead? Because you're alive when you go to sleep. Wait, just tell me who can so you help telling me? me that you can go to bed dead and wake up alive? You can't go to bed dead, man. That shit would be redundant. Just tell me No, who. it wouldn't. Because you can go to bed and not be dead, and you can die but not be in a bed. But you are in a bed, man. That's how you wake up dead in the first place, fool. Damn! That's some quantum shit right there, man. There have been more graceful attempts at making that joke. Kevin says his aunt can help her. George is going to watch the creepy nephew. He accidentally hurts the kid a few times while saying he can take care of him. Cindy goes to the aunt's place. It's Queen Latifah playing the Oracle from uh, The Matrix. Eddie Griffin is there as Orpheus. This was my favorite scene. Was it? He kind of talks to her a little bit, interrupts him, and then won't leave them alone. Says he's going to watch the game, to which Queen Latifah spoils it and says, Lakers will win by 12. And he just drops the remote. Wow. Now they're they all going to watch. They weren't ready for a pandemic, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> They're all going to watch the tape. She says it's connected to the crop circles. They're going to find the lighthouse in the video. Then she grabs a fly off the screen. Queen Latifah hits it with a fly swatter. It hurts the lady inside the video. Then they start fighting through the TV. And Eddie Griffin yells, you came through the wrong TV. What you going to brush now, huh? Uh, when she snatches her hair. Cindy comes home and George is coming too. Turns out he knocked himself out while playing Yahtzee. When they go into the room, the nephew has watched the tape. The phone rings. She won't give Cody, who's the nephew, the phone. He says, hey, Cindy, how's it going? He's like, I'm okay. And then she says, hey, I look forward to seeing you. Six days. I'm like, yeah. Hey, can I talk to Cody, please? Like, oh, uh, he's not here. He's like, oh, come on. It's like he didn't, watch the, he, he didn't watch the tape. To which the voice says, come on, I do this for a living. I laughed at that. Then it calls back, pretends to be Reader's Digest, take a message. She writes down screams. Messages seven days. Sheen walks in on his daughter being creepy at night. It's parroting the others with Nicole Kidman. And he pulls the, the veil off the child when she says, I'm not your daughter. He says, yes, you are. It's Michael Jackson. Tries to fight Michael Jackson. Michael Jackson impersonated, Dances. not the real one. Does yeah. a dance fight. Yeah, the real um, one sued them. Tried to sue them over this, by the way. Oh, really? Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, okay. because, because they portrayed him as a... Child molester and also because of the nose thing. Like if someone falsely accused me of being a child molester, I'd be, I don't think I'd have time. to. Also, they made fun of my nose. <laughs> I, just, right. I don't think that would be on the menu of things I would be complaining about. Right. So then he holds him out the window, says, how do you like it? Referencing when he held his kid out like the Lion King. Blanket! And then we find out it was just an alien in an MJ suit or something. I don't know. Escapes to the cornfield. How do you guys feels today? Let me tell you, feels is a better way to be. Our premium CBD will keep your head clear and help you feel your best. It reduces anxiety. It reduces pain. It reduces sleeplessness. Feels naturally helps reduce stress. Anxiety, pain, sleeplessness places a few drops under your tongue and feel the difference within minutes. Are you new to CBD? Well, Feels offers a free CBD hotline to help guide you through the experience. Me personally, had a couple of restless nights during this whole pandemic, wasn't sleeping great, did a couple of Feels uh, the next day, boom, out like a light that night. You know, get a little joint pain, I'm getting up there in age, a little Feels CBD under the tongue, boom, joint pain gone. 
greatly reduced. It's so easy to use. It's so good for you. It's just the better way to do your life right now. It will naturally help you feel better. And there's no high, there's no hangover, there's no addiction. You can join the Feels community, get the Feels delivered to your door every single month. You'll save money on every order and you can pause or cancel at any time. Become a member and get 50% off your first order. 50% off. It has me feeling my very best every day and it helped you too. 50% off your first order with free shipping by going to feels.com slash ding. That's F-E-A-L-S dot com slash ding. Become a member. 50% off taken automatically off your first order with the free shipping. That's feels.com slash ding. Cindy messes with the teleprompter back at the news station to get Jeremy Piven to talk about the evil tape. Then the station manager tries to get it back and starts typing other things. Then she types again. Then the janitor is trying to break up their fight. And then he's sitting on the keyboard and Jeremy Piven's just saying nonsense. And then the janitor takes control. I've been cleaning after this dumbass cracker Giggins for 10 years, but I've been hitting it with his woman for 12. Know what I'm saying, nigga? She likes her some chocolate. Sharpton for president, y'all. I'm Audi. I love this. This was a parody of Bruce Almighty. Tim Carey did it better. <laughs> I don't think but, it was a parody of that scene. I think when, when you do something that was already in a comedy and for comedic effect, that's called stealing the joke. That's not called a parody. <laughs> that's like the uh, people on Twitter are like, oh, we'll throw a parody account. And then you just tweet your own stuff. Like, that's not a parody. It's not a parody, you right? just stole his name. Leslie Nielsen is the president. Aliens exist. And he accidentally ate one for Thanksgiving. Ja Rule is the Secret Service agent. D.L. Hughley kinda, is his advisor. gloss over the Ja Rule. I, I was stunned. <laughs> stunned. stunned. Stunned to see Ja Rule. I know this movie is one large time capsule, but seeing Ja Rule... I guess like, especially now, yeah. It's so prominently featured. I was stunned by this. Also, by the way, forgot to mention, uh, my man Dick Dietrich had the line, we know, what do we do stories about? She says, sex, violence, and the weather. And he says, all right, so I want you to get on this story. Porn star shot dead during hurricane. Then, meanwhile, in a tornado in Charleston, threatens a clothing-optional beach where just yesterday a naked couple was brutally murdered. Cindy is researching the lighthouse, and we get pop-up ad jokes. Then she goes to the lighthouse alone. She opens the door, and it's a bright light. And now we get the architect from the Matrix spoof, and it's George Carlin as the architect. And we got Again, some Jeopardy playing. Shocked the hell out of me. Yeah, I was shocked to see George Carlin. Uh, when did he die? Was this the <laughs> last question. thing he did? God. And if so, was that like one of his deathbed regrets? Had to have been, right? By the way, he plays the lecherous architect. Right, yes, very much so. He died in 2008. So this didn't quite kill him. Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, Scary Movie 3, Jersey Girl, and then the Oof. voice in Cars. Yeah, there you, you, go. you rebound him with Cars. There you go. Yeah. Leave him, always leave him wanting more. And he's the narrator in Thomas and Friends. Is he? Yeah. I never noticed that. Oh, guys, I'm sorry. I, I have kids. I've watched Thomas and Friends. They're two, they're four, they're six and eight. Hauling Clinton, hauling freight. Brown and green and red and blue. They're the really useful crew. No? Okay. I don't, I don't have kids. We never know when you're going to stop singing. I mean, you could just keep going <laughs> bar after bar. Thomas and his friends. It is him. It feels like Thomas is kind of a bitch. <laughs> oh, he gets hoed out by all the other children. <laughs> He's just very submissive, right? Like, 
He just kind of like goes with the flow no matter what. Like, man, you got to be a leader. He's on a train track. How's he supposed to go off course? Some of them trains do their own thing, though. Some yeah. Trains, they can tell by their faces. They're like, they mean business. And Tom is an angry oh. train for sure, right? Who's yeah. the angry one? Like you said, you didn't watch this. I've seen the pictures. Oh, I've seen pictures. What kind of weirdo looks at pictures? <laughs> <laughs> Who Googles Thomas the Tank Engine in their Look, spare time? <laughs> you jack off how you want to jack off. I'll do it how I want to, all right? <laughs> we find out the architect and his wife adopted the evil girl, and then the wife drowned the girl for being bad, to which he says, I thought that was a little harsh. We get a pooty tang joke. We have multiple Pootie Tang. There's a lot of a lot of side swiping of Pootie Tang, which is an excellent film, or maybe it's a future cinephobe submission. I don't know. Pootie Tang, twenty seven percent. Twenty seven percent. It came up. It definitely came. When Pootie Tang came out, it was roundly again. You guys don't remember this shit because I'm a little older than you. I went to the theater to watch Pootie Tang when there were like three people in the theater on opening night. It was a massive bomb, and everybody hated it. I thought it was funny though. Two Americas. Even the black people I went to the movies with. Oh, <laughs> they didn't like it either? Nobody liked Pootie Tang. I'm telling you, it, like, it took a while for the world to catch up to that the brilliance. Wow, this really did bomb. Directed by Louis C.K. Yeah, yeah written by yeah. Louis C.K. Written, directed by Louis C.K. Charlie Sheen and George are watching the news. We get alien reports. Then the president and Ja Rule think aliens could have taken human form as they're about to do like some award ceremony. There's a voice box joke to which then it causes a fight to break out. They're punching everybody. They're punching children. They're punching disabled people, people on crutches and everything. The award is a Mother Teresa bobblehead. And then there's a huge portrait of Mother Teresa that Ja Rule shoots a shotgun to create an escape through. Yeah. And Leslie Nielsen says, Jerry's kids, my ass. There's another dated reference. Goodness. Cindy is looking for Cody now. The news plays the evil tape because uh, they had it exclusively. Cindy shows up to George and Charlie Sheen's farmhouse. Cody is there. We get a long story from uh, Cindy about how Cody's mom died. Just kept going and Cody's birth. My next note is I stopped taking notes. And then my next note yeah. is there is no point. And then my next note is the president showed up. My last note was jaw roll exclamation point. So. <laughs> The aliens show up. Now a bunch of luxury cars come up there with Kevin Hart, Master P, Rizza, you got okay, so Method Man, Red Man, Macy Gray. Macy Gray for some reason. <laughs> Macy Gray, yeah. I was looking at that and I was like, okay, like let's hold on for a second here. Because every single person there is actually, in retrospect, an iconic hip hop thing. And then there's Macy Gray. Time capsule. Still coasting off that 1999 song. Macy Gray, like, I just never understood her career. Never understood when it happened. Never understood looking back. I want someone to sing who can't sing, who's got a horrible voice. And then I'm going to shoehorn her in with all these people who have hit after hit after hit. Like, I would be offended if I was one of those other people. Who do you think didn't show up? Mary J. Blige. There's also a very Mr. Magoo. I thought it was maybe a Mr. Magoo deleted scene when Leslie Nielsen drives up and runs over the two aliens. He's acting like he's blind again, and he says he doesn't want to go through insurance and throws 40 bucks on the alien's body. That's funnier than I remember it happening. 
I mean, he did write Mr. Magoo. <laughs> he still had that one yeah, in the, the one chamber. Left in the chamber, yeah. They get into an argument about uh, stepping on, I think, Red Man's shoes, and they all shoot each other. And Macy Gray shoots a bazooka. Master P yells, "You want some biscuits?" And then Leslie Nielsen says, "These men died for their country. Send flowers to their bitches and hoes." Now the aliens sneak up behind them. They grab them and start choking them. They fight back. Anthony Anderson knocks the alien head off one of the aliens. That's their weakness. They're just there to kill uh, the evil girl from the tape because they tried to watch Pootie Tang on satellite and the tape got picked up instead. We also find out that their greetings are the choke from behind and their goodbyes are being kicked in the nuts. And they pee out their fingers and so does Leslie Nielsen for some reason. Cindy frees the evil girl. The girl has a chainsaw. She knocks herself out. Then she comes to, she grabs Cody. Cindy says she doesn't have to be evil. She's no longer evil because they're going to become a family. Then she goes back to being evil. And that's when the president walks in, opens a door, and knocks her back into the well. Surely that's an airplane reference. It is an airplane reference. Don't call me Shirley. They cover up the well. The alien walks in, kicks him in the nuts to say goodbye. George and Cindy get married. The president catches his bouquet. They forgot Cody once again. They back up and almost hit him, but stop. And then he gets smoked by another car from the side. Roll credits. Cool 75 minutes, but somehow nine and a half minutes of credits. Yeah. I didn't understand. Yeah. So I like I kind of fast forwarded through trying to see like, all right, there's got to be another scene. Gags or blooper reel in the credits. Or I feel like they did that for the other scary movies. Whole fucking thing's a, a blooper reel. Yeah. I was kind of I was kind of surprised about that. So at one point, Kevin Smith was attached to write the script. Was he too uh, busy making Clerks 2? Anthony Anderson's character turned out so popular in test screenings that additional scenes for him were quickly written and shot while the film was already in post-production. Nice. And then Simon Cowell has since regretted making an appearance in the movie. He admitted that he was embarrassed to see himself on film. He gave himself a terrible review. Yeah, oh, he good did. Job. On brand. Anna Ferris's car was the first Toyota Prius to appear in a major motion picture. Oh, that was a Prius? Which is insane that it's this movie. Wow. Okay. It didn't look like a Prius. It looked like a Tercel or something. It looked like a regular car, you know, not like a hatchback. And then there was an alternate ending where Cindy is told Cody does not exist. After hitting a few people in the face with the shovel, Cindy asks everybody who's not real to stand over at a different spot. Cody goes over there, but is followed by Santa Claus. The aliens then begin to invade, but George stops them by transforming into the Hulk. President Harris tries to Hulk out, but ends up soiling his pants. Cindy enters the Logan house where she is attacked by Tabitha. She's teleported away to Aunt Shaniqua, who teaches her how to defeat Tabitha. Cindy must then confront hundreds of Tabithas. She wins the battle by performing the moves from the Matrix, teleports back to the Logan house. Cass then gets into a car with the president, but are horrified to learn that the driver happens to be M. Night Shyamalan. Actually M. Night Shyamalan? Actually. Oh, man, I, I kind of like that alternate ending. Sounded like it might have been too expensive. That would have added like 20 minutes to this movie. Golden Dumpster nominees, Leslie Nielsen, Anthony Anderson, Kevin Hart, Eddie Griffin, George Carlin, Craig Mazin, Jeremy Piven, or Ajay Naidu. Fake M. Night Shyamalan. This whole fucking movie's a dumpster. I'm going to go with Ja Rule. <laughs> Just like seeing Ja Rule really staggered me. I'm like, what? <laughs> Is this a good thing or a bad thing? I never remember. It's- We've never we've never defined it. You hated this, so what was the worst part? I mean, it's, it's <laughs> scary movie three. 
that's kind of a whole fucking movie for me. I really didn't like the kid. Cody, how does he stack up against some of our other child actors in the past? I mean, the kid from Problem Child is the worst. Like, no, come kid. on, man. Yeah, <laughs> wow, man. That, that, that dude's not bad. The kid from uh, from Problem Child? Yeah. He never acted again. Yes, he did. We <laughs> talking Problem about? Child 2. And Problem Child 3. Did he make three? He made three Problem Childs. No, but did he make it? What's his what's his dumbass name? This is talentless hack. Michael Oliver. What is this piece of shit done? I think the kid from Theodore Rex was the worst, but oh, the kid oh, from yeah. Primal is also in the bottom three. Oh, that oh I forgot about that kid. That's a future callback. Oh, fuck that kid. I hate that kid too. No, still problem child kid. And he wasn't in problem child three. He, he was, was not problem child. He was in an episode of a TV series called Amen. That's when they let it be a black kid, like American Ninja. <laughs> <laughs> problem child. But he was back for problem child four. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that kid hasn't done shit since 1995. He's the worst. <laughs> so problem child is the worst kid. The kid from Primal second. The kid from Theodore Rex. Yeah, he'd be third, Dane Cook fourth, and then this kid fifth. (laughs) Okay, I'm going to give my golden dumpster to Eddie Griffin. He should have gotten more time. He's certainly one of the funniest people in that movie. He had like four lines, and I kind of chuckled at all of them. So I didn't laugh at it, but I thought the Lakers will win by 12 part was clever. And his reaction? His reaction was the closest thing I came to laughing in this movie. Damn. Why are you mad at this? He also had the line, I can't shit about women I ain't slept with yet. I mean, how are you upset with this? You're being a little unfair here. I feel like I'm being very fair. All right. Tom, uh, I need a ride home was a, was a great line. That was hilarious. I mean, that was a funny line. After killing his wife. <laughs> yeah. Tom, I need a ride home. <laughs> <laughs> That's a funny line, man. So since we don't have a Tony Medley, I did just come across something. His review of Fahrenheit 9-11. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh you just happened to stumble across it? Well, I, was scro- I was scrolling through <laughs> movies from 2004 and I saw like, Hello. <laughs> Anybody who goes to a Michael Moore movie for facts is Whistling Dixie. Oh, yeah. Nice. <laughs> nice. Nice. <laughs> That leaves the question then as to why anyone would go to a Michael Moore movie, especially this Michael Moore movie. Well, that's pretty easy to answer. Anyone who hates President Bush will go to this Michael Moore movie and will be rewarded because it's full of bias, highly edited nonsense. It starts out showing Gore winning the election, alleging Florida blacks were disenfranchised and then blames Fox News for Bush actually winning. It ignores all the subsequent data compiled in large part by Florida newspapers that show that Bush really did win Florida. Oh, well. Then it cuts to President Bush and administration members being in makeup for television appearances, leading you to draw the conclusion that everything they say is just for show. It also castigates President Bush for holding his cool before the grammar school children while being told of the 9-11 attack. I thought this showed what Hemingway would call grace under pressure, but more cast aspersions at it. There is one hilarious segment in the middle about a small town in Virginia that Homeland Security thought was targeted for a terrorist attack. I was rolling in the aisles laughing at that. But basically... Basically, this is a diatribe against President Bush and his family that goes on and on and on, seemingly ad infinitum. I guess it would be too much to hope that an egotist like 
Moore would actually be able to cut something he shot and make a 90-minute movie. It's too bad that Moore is such a bigot because the first President Bush is definitely bigot. deserving of criticism for a lot of the things he did, like killing the Reagan revolution by firing all the Reagan people as soon as he took office, raising taxes after promising he wouldn't, remember read my lips, snatching defeat from the jaws of victory in Desert Storm, running a foolish campaign for re-election, etc., etc., Instead of building a dispassionate case, all more <laughs> like, like you just did, <laughs> all more does is concentrate on establishing an alleged Bush Saudi connection in order to prove a dubious premise that the Bush family was more interested in protecting the House of Saud and the profits it allegedly makes from the Saudis than it was protecting America. Anyone interested in a factual breakdown of Moore's perfidious treatment of the truth should read the article by Christopher Hitchens, hardly a friend of the right. Here's a very short snippet of what he has to say. <laughs> to describe this film as dishonest and demagogic would also be to promote those terms to the level of respectability. To describe this film as a piece of crap would be to run the risk of a discourse that would never again rise above excremental. To describe it as an exercise in facile crowd-pleasing would be too obvious. Fahrenheit 9-11 is a sinister exercise in moral frivolity crudely disguised as an exercise in seriousness it is also a spectacle of abject political cowardice masking itself as a demonstration of dissenting bravery hitchens entire article entitled unfahrenheit 9-11 the lies <laughs> of michael moore may be read at this movie fails on every level its point of view is irrelevant any similar film on the other side of the political spectrum would be equally repugnant it is a dishonest cruel devious piece of invective this vituperative film is comparable to the mendacious films. God, this really is really thrown up the, the source here. <laughs> produced by totalitarian Nazi and communist regimes whose sole aim was to promote their contemptible ideologies and should be roundly condemned. Since Moore's reputation as one who plays fast and loose with facts, there doesn't seem to be any reason to see this movie unless you just love to hate President Bush. You won't learn much from it and you probably will fall asleep at the end where it drags so perfectly. Damn, Tony Melly really busted out the vocabulary, huh? He did, man. One out of it's, ten. You know what I feel like? I feel like this was, he thought this was his shot at the big time. And yeah, I think Nobody so. cares about my Born Identity reviews, but this one. This, this one what? might actually get me somewhere. <laughs> so he called up a young Ethan Strauss and said, <laughs> said write this kid. I'm trying to read Ethan's book right now. And that, like that intro, I'm like, Ethan, <laughs> do you want people to read the book? <laughs> Just so you know, he gave 51st Dates a 9 out of 10. <laughs> what? 51st Dates? The one with, uh, with uh, Drew Barrymore? Amin? Boba File. Yeah, you know, like I said, I'm a big fan of parody movies uh, done well, and this movie was not done well, unfortunately. I wonder if... You had suggested this movie, Zach. Would I have received it with a little bit more open-mindedness? Wow. <laughs> Alas, we'll never know. That's a huge Oh, point. man. Maze, defend your movie. Fulver file. So I equate this to an NBA team from 2003 that now, with the proper analytics on efficiency of jokes, it just doesn't hold up. There's some funny parts, but... It's lost amongst the number of misfires and the repeated physical comedy gags and just beating the shit out of Cody and everybody getting hit in the nuts repeatedly. They did it too much. It is a phobe. Yeah, we can sweep that one. Fuck this movie. It's a phobe. (laughs) 
I don't even need to give a reason, right? Like, stop taking notes. You called it before we started. <laughs> uh, be sure to check out Cinephobe on Mad Dog Sports Radio, where we're doing uh, sports movies that are both good and bad. I thought we were just doing Cinephobe, but sports sports edition. I didn't know that we were like... Well, draft day didn't qualify. Oh, it didn't. Oh, wow. Oh. You could have fooled me. Uh <laughs> So you check that out on Mad Dog Sports Radio uh, Friday nights. I think it's at like 9 Pacific time, midnight Eastern or something like that. Somewhere in that range. Also, subscribe to uh, this podcast. Leave a five-star review. I know it's all in the same CTD feed, but uh, mention that you like Cinephobe in the review. Leave a five-star review. You can always join the Discord by joining the Patreon, patreon.com slash count the dings. You can get in on the chats in there and suggest movies. Amaze and I are in there quite a bit, so you can uh, interact with us on that. Buy Ethan's book. That you won't be able to read? Promote that? You need a dictionary, yeah. Buy Ethan's book and buy a dictionary. Yeah, get a twofer right there. Is that what's recommended when you buy Ethan's book underneath (laughs) is a dictionary and a thesaurus? (laughs) I think that's all we got. Thanks for listening to Cinephobe. Next time we make love, you introduce me to Jade. Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. Whether your pursuit involves a bachelor's, master's, or doctoral degree, GCU's learning environments are designed for supportive networking and collaboration. With over 330 academic programs, GCU provides a path to help you fulfill your dreams. The pursuit to serve others is yours. Find your purpose at GCU. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu.